On this episode of Go Chuck Yourself, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 2, Chuck versus the Suitcase. That's right. It's the episode of Chuck where Chuck finds out that the Intersect possesses the knowledge to give him the abilities to contort his body into a normal sized suitcase that you would use for carry on luggage. He gets in that suitcase. He wins America's Got Talent. And I guess I just spoiled the episode for you. Ah, damn it. Welcome to Go Chuck Yourself. We are the uh, the podcast where we have two of us. My name is Chris. <laughs> My name is Aaron. And we, we go through Chuck episode by episode, and we give you the in-depth scoop on each episode, as well as some, some fan analysis of each of the particular episodes. That is uh, a good description of our show, Chris. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. I am working on creating a logline for our show for <laughs> me to say at this point in the episode because uh, longtime listeners know that I am very self-conscious that we do not have one. And I'm extra self-conscious because we also don't even have a catchphrase or a hashtag at this point. We used to have Season of Aaron. It's no longer the Season of Aaron. And I just, I don't know what to do. We're, we're working on it. I, last episode, I did refer to Sexy Sarah. So this could be the season of Sexy Sarah. Is that appropriate? Maybe. I also had, I maybe we can kind of workshop that maybe a little bit later this episode because I have okay. something that's in a similar vein and maybe we can combine our two ideas okay. and create something new. Sounds good. Um, so as uh, Aaron stated in our introduction, we are talking about Chuck versus the suitcase today. Um, it is the second episode of season four. But before we start, I did want to take a moment and just kind of um, talk about the um the chuckiversary which happened not too long ago as of this recording and um i think it was i had a lot of fun i think it was a great success and it was great seeing people engaging uh on twitter and kind of seeing all that love for the the program what do you what are your thoughts aaron yeah um i really enjoyed um live tweeting chuck versus the honeymooners we watched the episode not too long ago because um, we're on season four we were on season three not too long ago but it was still really nice to see there's been like what like 10 episodes between when we watched it 13 i don't remember the exact yeah, number something like but, that. um it was cool to see it again and it was doubly cool because i know that um you you more so than me but we were a little bit iffy about like this chunk of episodes and this episode in particular mm -hmm. and it was really cool to see like fans who like clearly loved the episode and like it kind of gave me a fresh perspective on it and i was like actually this episode is like more fun than we gave it credit for yeah we're just a couple of debbie downers i do really yeah. like the how obviously the train metaphor throughout season three about how they're they're at the train station and then when they yeah. actually get on the train it's just a uh as we've referred to it before a european sex vacation so yeah. i think that's funny and i did tweet um does everyone know the real story behind puntoon and it was unclear it got some likes it did not get any responses so if you don't know the truth about puntoon dm me i'll tell you that's true um in a similar vein, we also um, ran some surveys, which were I thought were really interesting. I was delighted to see all of the results. Some were really interesting, um, pretty unanimously. Maybe it wasn't 100 percent, but like 95 percent of people believe that I, the Irene Demova virus was responsible for some 
technical issues that Twitter was uh, okay. having. I was I was confused about that. Was Twitter having issues then? Yes, uh, people were tweeting that there were issues. People were like getting okay. unfollowed or they were losing followers or something like that. I don't know. Mm, interesting. That must explain why I've lost some Instagram followers recently. Yeah, I think that's probably what it was. And um, then folks were also most of the people that were engaging or responding to the survey did not watch Chuck when it initially aired the pilot. They missed it. They didn't see yeah, it until that's later. That's really interesting. That's yeah. I mean, I am in that camp of people as well. Well, you saw the pilot, though, didn't you watch it with your dad? You just didn't I stick saw around? part of the pilot, I guess. So I, I'm in both camps, I guess. Wow, you're the chosen one. You're the one that's meant to bring us <laughs> <divergent>. two together. <laughs> Our warring factions, you can unite us. <laughs> that's me. Uh, but the most interesting survey that I thought was regarding kind of like Chuck merchandise, kind of just like other peripheral Chuck things that you might be interested in purchasing as a fan. And it was a really close, uh, I guess, election sort of where the Chuck Funko Pops near like very narrowly beat a Chuck video game. Which I think is really I, interesting. I didn't. It didn't occur to me that there aren't Chuck Funko Pops because I think I've seen fan made ones on the internet. But mm. I'm surprised that doesn't exist, considering like how iconic Chuck is and how like how big of a fan base and how like rabid the fan base is for Chuck merchandise. Right. It seems um, like a no brainer. Funko Pops. Yeah. I don't know who decides how or which Funko Pops are made, but come on, you guys yeah. have made weirder, less commercially viable Funko Pop lines than Chuck. Seriously. Seriously, you've got some. I mean, I have their website right here. What are they? We've got. Did you just have that open on your computer all the time. Just uh, <laughs> we got Tony. We got like cereal icons, like the toucan from. Sam oh, the I thought toucan. you meant cereal the podcast, and I was like, that's kind of weird. Yeah, no, we have uh, Tony the tiger. There's a Pez dispenser clown. That's not even specific to something. There's like He Man. Like side characters, not even just He Man himself. There's like the dinosaur that sitcom from the '90s about like those puppet dinosaurs. Yeah, with there's the a baby. Whole, they, have, they have all of them, and they well, don't have the, any Chuck. Yeah, okay. So I think that it's really good that they have the dinosaurs, but I think that that's on the same level as Chuck in terms there's, of like fans. It, correct. There's no way you. There's more people who are like interested in buying dinosaur Funko Pops than Chuck Funko Pops. There's okay. there's no way, right? So no, there's not. So we definitely need Chuck Funko Pops. I really like the suggestion of a Chuck Monopoly game. I thought that would be very cool. I used to have Boston in a Box, which was a Boston-themed Monopoly game. Mm -hmm. And I can say that that was fun, but Chuck would make it even funner. It's so there's monopolies for everything, I feel like. There's no reason that there couldn't be a Chuck Monopoly game. Yeah. I used to have Pokemon Sorry. There could be a Chuck Sorry game. I have, I had Pokemon Sorry, too. That's very cool. It was a good game. I really liked it. I enjoyed it. It kind of added a little bit more uh, flavor to the normal yeah. Sorry game. Getting to choose which... Uh, which gym leader you wanted to be. Yeah. I um I feel like I was always fire. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's not what I would choose now, but I feel like I liked Ponyta. Uh, and this yeah. has been Go Pokemon Yourself. <laughs> not even Pokemon Go Yourself, it's just Go oh, Pokemon it, Yourself. That's, yeah, that's would have been better. Well This is why I keep you around, Chris. <laughs> well, let's stick with what we know and let's get into this episode of Chuck. Very excited. So we begin in Milan with a very beautiful woman played by Carolina Kerkova, who is a Czech model. She's being chased by a less beautiful but still very well-dressed man. She hides behind a pillar and pulls out a gun and some sort of blue contraption, which I don't know what it was. I was like, is this the Tesseract? But it's not. It's They're blue bullets 
of some kind. She puts one of them in her gun and shoots the man chasing her directly in the head, then walks away. I always feel like I gasp when characters on Chuck get shot in the head because it's not like as gory as it would be on like say HBO but it's like still kind of shocking like I feel like mostly people get shot in the chest and you don't really see blood but when there's like a bullet hole in somebody's head that's like pretty wild yeah and they because they're not going to show like blood or anyone's heads exploding it's almost more jarring because it's usually just like a clear hole that just goes through (laughs) their head and it's like that's kind of weird but okay Um, I did want to point out, I did a little bit of research on Krakova, and she um, doesn't have a lot of acting credits. She's been in 30 Rock and a couple of, like, America's Next Top Model type shows. She's primarily known as a model, but her film debut was in a film called My Sexiest Year from 2007, and guess who she starred alongside? Is it another Chuck character? It's not, but it's someone whose name you do love to shout. Is it? No way. Are you yep. serious? Yep. It's Frankie Muniz. It's Frankie Muniz. Frankie Muniz. Thank you. Thank you for doing wow. that. He, yeah. all, road, all roads lead to Frankie Muniz. They do. I might, um, I mentioned to you before we started recording, I'm traveling to Arizona in the near future and I might get to see him again. <sighs> I hope you don't screw it up this time, Aaron. I know. I'll, I'll try not to. So we cut to Burbank where Devin is in full on expecting dad mode. He's called a family-slash-friend meeting to discuss Ellie's pregnancy, which is ranging from amusing to alarming for Ellie, Sarah, Chuck, and Morgan. Ellie chimes in that since the baby isn't due for another six months, maybe they can pivot their little party to celebrating Chuck and Morgan's first day back at the Bymore. But Devin interrupts to say that Chuck and Sarah should be taking notes because they might be next. This prompts Morgan, who is munching on what seems to be a vegetable platter... He's had, like, carrot sticks and snow peas in his hands this whole time. Mm -hmm. He points out that Sarah hasn't even unpacked yet. This is sufficiently awkward for everyone present. Back in Chuck and Sarah's room, we see that Sarah does indeed have a single suitcase on the floor of the closet. She asks Chuck if he thinks it's weird that she hasn't unpacked yet, and he says no, but, like, too many times. They end up having a sweet conversation where Sarah makes the good point that she's been traveling and on missions for a ton of the time she's been living at Chuck's, and Chuck says she's there, and that's all that matters. But all that totally goes out the window once Chuck is back at the Bymore talking to Morgan, where he takes back everything he says and says, it's totally weird, right? Despite the fact that he should know better, he asks for Morgan's advice on all this. Morgan thinks that Chuck's perfect relationship is beginning to show its Achilles heel. He uses Padme and Anakin as an example, which I knew was going to be coming because he's like, it's like Romeo and Juliet, Tristan and Isolde. And I'm like, he's going to say some like nerdy shit, but I didn't. I didn't know it was going to be Padme and Anakin, and that was, like, so much worse, but also, like, kind of so much better. Morgan tells Chuck to keep his feelings to himself so Sarah doesn't bolt, which I feel like is okay advice, if only because this problem is so stupid, but also Chuck keeping his feelings to himself has never gone well, so this is probably not going to go well either. Beckman calls Chuck into her office, leaving Morgan to awkwardly interact with this week's Greta, who is a man, which I thought was cool. Um, I don't, I, do you know the actor off the top of your head? You have it written down. No, I do not. Okay, well, it doesn't. This this week's credit is a man as opposed to Olivia Munn, who it was last episode. Um, it prompts me to wonder, what is Morgan's, like, purported job at the Bymore? Like, he, he was hired, he's there. Like, is he just, like, the only regular employee? Yeah, it's not really clear what... Because he's kind of... I mean, he's kind of a, the best employee for the situation because he's, like, part in the the spy world but he's not actually like super involved with the spy world mm-hmm. but he's also uh has one foot in the the buy more and has expertise yeah. about that so yes he's actually i would think a very 
a very good person to have around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Greta is performed this week by Isaiah uh, Mustafa. Thank you. I did. I did see his name on the credits. He's a very good looking man. Well, he's in those those Old Spice commercials. Those very silly. Oh, OK. Old Spice. Yes. Yeah. All right. And I he's, did recognize um, him. He was also in, in uh, It Chapter 2 as um, as Mike. OK, that's cool. Yeah, he's a good actor and very good looking. Um, and he is Greta this week. Uh, meanwhile, in Beckman's office, Beckman explains that one of their agents was killed in Milan. So that's the guy from the beginning. She shows a picture of the woman who killed him, whose name is Sofia Stepanova. There's kind of a cute moment where Chuck is clearly awed by how hot she is. And Sarah is like, she's not that hot, which I like. Ultimately, we get a pretty standard briefing. Sophia is working for Volkov and stole smart bullets, which are like GPS guided bullets that can like kind of like in Wanted when the bullet curves, but it like curves on its own. I I'm just going to say it now. I think the smart bullets are such a stupid idea because it could go wrong or because it does. It, it couldn't exist because it couldn't exist. It doesn't make any sense. How would a smart bullet well, I feel, yeah, I feel like the only way it could work would be if, like, someone had a chip in their head that the bullet was, like, guided to. But if you don't have a chip in your head, how are you going to make the bullet go somewhere? You would almost more need, like, a smart gun to be able to target itself. Because once the bullet fires, the momentum is too fast that any kind of chip is not going to be able to change the direction or speed of that bullet. Well, uh, Volkov is just that good, Chris. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm going to have a chip on my shoulder this entire episode about the smart bullets. I, well, I, I just hope want it's it. not a chip that brings smart bullets into your shoulder. <laughs> it might just be. <laughs> so Sophia is using her cover as a model to sell the bullets at a party, Chris, during Milan Fashion Week. So Beckman wants Chuck and Sarah to go intercept them. Sarah says she's packed and ready to go. And Chuck feels weird about that. And I'm already over this plot. I was I was done at this point. Really? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't care that Sarah hasn't unpacked. That's fine. Okay. Casey is staying behind on this one, so he helps Chuck get ready and gives him some advice on both the mission and Sarah. He tells Chuck that he should be glad the only baggage Sarah comes with is a suitcase, which I think is a good point. But Casey has his own problems this week, and that's the fact that he doesn't feel at home in Burbank, despite the fact that his daughter Alex lives nearby. Chuck is a little flabbergasted by this, and considering the fact that Casey ignores one of Alex's calls during their meeting, I'd say he's a little sad about it, too. So, off in Milan, Chuck and Sarah find Sophia at the party and deduce that the smart bullets must be in her clutch. Chuck heads over to steal it, but accidentally grabs Sophia's ass instead. He gets out of that one, but Sophia leaves him for the bar, then leaves her purse there. Chuck and Sarah grab it from the bartender, but they find there's a bomb in it. Apparently, Sophia knew they were coming, and it's all been a trap. As Sarah defuses the bomb... Chuck tells her that he wants her to know that he still loves her despite her weird packing habits. Sarah successfully does defuse the bomb, and then she's like, you still love me? And I'm like, get fucked, Chuck. You, you messed up on this one. <laughs> we cut briefly back to the Buy More, where Devin comes into the store and notices how weird and efficient it is. He expresses worry that everyone there is a spy and that Ellie has cause to worry about Chuck again, but Morgan and Casey insist that Chuck is out of the game for good. Back in Milan, Chuck tries to apologize to Sarah, but she's not having it. She points out that if they had died, Chuck's last words to her would have sucked, and he agrees. She says that spies have to pack light to be ready for their next mission, and that they better focus on the one at hand. In Burbank, Morgan knocks on Beckman's door. First, she doesn't want to give him the time of day, but then he piques her interest by saying that things at the Bymore are going a little too well. 
We get a really delightful scene where Morgan leads Beckman through the store, doing his best to destroy things and being thwarted by the CIA agents, who are really efficient and catch all the things he throws and or drops. Morgan points out that customers and or enemy spies will surely notice that the Bymore has gone from really shitty and depressing to really efficient, so Beckman needs to make some changes. She asks what he proposes, and oh boy, I was wondering how our friends are going to come back, and now I know. But this is exactly what Chris was talking about. Morgan has his foot in both worlds, so he knows how to bring the Bymore kind of more back to normal, which is something that is needed to maintain its cover, and Beckman agrees. Morgan is kind of like the Aaron in this situation because Aaron is both in the, you know, she saw part of the pilot when it premiered and then she also didn't really see the pilot when it premiered. So Morgan and Aaron are very much alike. That's something I've been waiting to hear you say, Chris. Back in Milan, Chuck and Sarah are hanging upside down above the balcony of Sophia's presidential suite in the pursuit of her smart bullets. Sarah is still upset with Chuck and promptly turns down his offer to do a Spider-Man kiss. Um, cause you know, like in the Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. And oh, I just watched that recently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, Jesse Hyman is in it. He is. I just, is. I just actually watched, I watched one and two. We haven't watched three yet. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is, I, that's what I did, uh, last summer. How was, oh. uh, first one, not that good, right? No, it's actually not like now. Cause like at the time it was very groundbreaking, but now right. having seen like all the, we also watched like, um, what? Endgame recently and it's Mm. just like obviously they're different movies but I remember Spider-Man as being like really good and really fun and like he sucks like not like Tobey Maguire is fine as an actor but like the character of Peter Parker is like now that I've seen like Tom Holland I feel like that Peter Parker is just like I don't know he sucks yeah he's like oh Mary Jane doesn't love me it's stupid he just needs to deal with his shit they look around Sophia's suite and eventually end up in her massive walk-in closet and there's awkward tension until Sarah just tells Chuck to say it. And Chuck says that not unpacking is apparently not a spy thing because Sophia is clearly fully unpacked, even though she's just staying at a hotel temporarily. Sarah rolls her eyes and points out that um, there's a safe in the corner. As Chuck and Sarah wait for their digital safe cracker to like do its thing, they hear Sophia and her bodyguard, who's played by Lou Ferrigno, enter the suite. Lou Ferrigno wants to talk to Sophia, but Sophia tells him to uh, just stand guard as she promptly goes into the walk-in closet and immediately takes her clothes off as Chuck and Sarah hide um, kind of behind the clothes in the closet. It's probably uncomfortable. Like, she's she's had to be on all day. She's a model. Like, she probably just, like, wants to be, like, free of her clothing shackles. No, 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 I get it. Um, They wait for Sophia to go into the shower before they sneak out. Sarah, um... Sarah is still not too thrilled with Chuck, especially now that there's a naked model involved and she's in the shower. Um, Sarah heads out of the room, leaving Chuck to deal with the safe. Chuck flashes on the safe and realizes it's code. And I don't know. Did you think this was weird? Wikipedia says that Chuck flashes on mathematics to figure out probable combinations. But I was like, he gets it right immediately. I don't think that's anything. I think that. First of all, that why like if he could do that, why did they need to use the safe cracker? And second of all, like he's never done that before, and that's kind of like I don't know, that's stretching the bounds of what I believe the intersect could do. Right. That's I was why like, I... is the combination just <laughs> in this? Like, did the CIA just know what it was? Right. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, so yeah. this the combination for this specific vault was in the CIA NSA database, but I also felt like Sophia showers kind of weird. Like she's just kind of like 
standing there. She's not really, like, maybe she's just having, like, a relaxing shower. Like, sometimes you're in there and you just want, like, the water to wash over you and that's, like, all you need. But she's not, like, she's not washing her hair. Like, her hands are just, like, loosely at her sides and she's just standing there letting herself be hit by water. Well, maybe she's just rinsing off. It's not like a full shower where you're shampooing. It's just kind of you're rinsing off and maybe you're doing the soap on your body, but you're keeping your hair dry. Yeah, that's true. I just, like, I've, I've never seen anyone stand so still in a shower. Well, you think about it, you really don't know how anyone else showers for the most part. Yeah, that's a good point. Even your closest friends and family, you have no idea what we do in I the shower. I could be doing it wrong. You could be. That's, we- that's a, a new show coming to FX is what we do in the shower. <laughs> <Bye-bye>. <laughs> uh Meanwhile, Sarah bumps into Lou Ferrigno, uh, who she tells to keep his back turned as she pretends to be Sophia. Chuck succeeds in opening the safe and finding the smart bullets that are inside of it, just as Lou Ferrigno starts confessing his love to who he thinks is Sophia. As soon as Chuck gets the smart bullets in his hand, we hear Sophia say, don't move. Chuck turns around and sees Sophia, totally naked, pointing a gun at him. Lou Ferrigno continues to pour his heart out to Sarah, who decides to let him down gently by revealing herself and then punching him in the face. Sophia demands to know who Chuck is working for, but Sarah runs in and is somewhat incredulous that Sophia is naked, but it's not Chuck's fault. And Chuck or Sarah saves him anyway, and they run through the suite back to the balcony. And uh, they are ready to make their descent when Sarah takes one last shot at Sophia with her gun and says, put some clothes on. I thought this was like, we've talked about this in previous seasons. Like, this felt like a kind of immature view of relationships in that, like, Sarah was mad at Chuck because there was a naked woman. And like, it just felt like, like, there was a lot of pressure put on the fact that, like, Chuck is, like, being clutched by a naked woman and has, like, her gun to his head. And, like, Sarah's like, why are you there, Chuck? Like, I just thought it was, like, like you said, it's not Chuck's fault. Like, they knew she was in the shower. Like, it seems pretty logical that she would be naked. And, like, I don't know why Sarah, who is, like, also a beautiful woman and, like, in a loving relationship, is feeling, like, threatened by Chuck's, like, being attracted to another woman who is also beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I thought it was a little bit like iffy for me. I also want to talk about Lou Ferrigno. I haven't. I did he play the Hulk? Mm-hmm. So I've never seen him in anything. So how is his like acting in this? Have you seen him in something? And how does this compare? What's his story? Um, I guess not. I don't know. You think I'm like this some kind of big Lou Ferrigno fan? Yeah, I kind of did. Is he was he a wrestler? I, 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 don't I think know. I get him confused with Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan is named Hulk and. Lou Ferrigno played the Hulk. Uh-huh. Um, I like, I don't know. I, I was not in love with his acting. I thought like it was more like a, um, like a cool guest star gag, making him say some kind of like funny romantic things as opposed to like, he's very skilled. Uh-huh. Right. So yeah, we can address it now. Lou Ferrigno, not the best performance in this particular <laughs> episode. Um, and sure, let's even go ahead of ourselves and say the whole Lou Ferrigno plot line is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make uh, any sense. And it's not like used for anything. Like I thought maybe at the end, like it was going to be like she tells him she loves him, too. And then that's like, I don't know. I feel like maybe either they just wanted to get Lou Ferrigno to say some like sappy, lovey dialogue. And that was the joke. Mm-hmm. Or they were initially going to do something where, like, she loves him, too, and then Chuck learns a lesson from that. But they didn't. Yeah, maybe. That. Yeah, I don't know. And there's no declassified scenes this week, so we'll never know if there's anything that's that's missing. We'll never know. 
Um, so we cut to a break, and when we return, we're in Castle, where Beckman is finishing up a phone call. She explains uh, the Bymore's problems to Chuck and Sarah, and then reveals to them that after the CIA's analysis, the smart bullets that they received uh, have actually proven to be fakes. And now they have little choice but to just wait while the European intelligence agencies track Sophia down. She also reveals that Morgan has been tasked with recruiting some new blood to help the Bymore with its excellence problem, but maybe that blood isn't so new after all. We cut to a video log of Jeff and Lester addressing the camera. They've apparently been living in Jeff's van ever since the end of season three with the belief that they personally destroyed the Bymore. Casey and Morgan succeed in finding them down by the rail yard, much to Jeff and Lester's horror. Thinking that they're being arrested, Jeff and Lester reach out for their suicide pills because they have an agreement to go down like Thelma and Louise. But Morgan quickly explains that they just want to offer them their old jobs back. Lester realizes that Morgan must be desperate, so he tries to negotiate a raise and better benefits. But Casey's not having it, so he just shoots Lester with a tranquilizer, which causes him to pass out immediately. Casey shoots Jeff with a tranquilizer, but it doesn't really do anything. (laughs) So he shoots him with three more and still not really anything. So he just pumps him with like five. And eventually that is enough to put him to sleep. Um, I felt like it was kind of a little bit like the gag that they did with Dominic Moynihan when he was the rock star, like wanting Casey's tranquilizers. But I thought it was still funny this time. Yeah, I feel like there was another, I don't remember what episode it was, but I feel like there was another gag where, like, Jeff gets shot and then immediately passes out, mm-hmm. and I feel like I had the comment then of, like, I feel like his tolerance would be higher, and I feel like he would take more shots than that, or he would like it, and then now I finally got what I wanted. Right, yeah, I think Jeff, yeah, I think that was, like, really early, I feel like, when yeah. Jeff got shot by something. Yeah. Um, so rather than moving their car around to the like their campsite to pick up Jeff and Lester or even just driving them in their van, Casey and Morgan decide to embody the old by Morris philosophy of inefficiency and idi- idiocy by dragging Jeff and Lester unconscious back to the the like main road, I guess. They're just dragging their bodies down the street. I was really nervous about this because they were dragging them like on their backs and their backs was where they had been shot with the trank darts. So hopefully they removed them. But if they didn't, like those are going to be like embedded in them now. Casey complains about having to do this. But I'm like, you don't you didn't have to do this. Just <laughs> get your car. Yeah. Um, and Morgan says that he knows that Casey would rather be on a mission with Chuck and Sarah. But Burbank isn't that bad after all. Turns out Morgan has been talking to Alex and uh, she said that she hadn't heard from Casey in a while. Casey's very intrigued to learn that Morgan is talking to his daughter, asking, why are you talking to her? To which Morgan responds, why aren't you talking to her? Casey opens up and says that he feels like Alex has her own life and like the little world that she's in. And he doesn't really feel like he would fit into it. But Morgan says that he wouldn't know that for sure unless he tries. Back at Chuck's apartment complex Devin walks in carrying a ton of boxes and bags uh, as Sarah and Chuck are returning from their trip Chuck and Sarah hide their suitcases and ask if Devin needs any help he says he doesn't but he does comment that everyone at the buy more was highly skilled and super attractive hell it was like he worked there <laughs> Devin rationalizes that the only reason he'd ever work at the buy more was if he was a spy and he was doing it undercover and then Sarah explains that she and Casey are still spies and the buy more is still a cover but Chuck has nothing to do with it Devin apologizes for doubting Chuck, but he says that he just wants everyone supporting Ellie. And Chuck insists that everything is normal, even as Casey and Morgan wheel Jeff and Lester's unconscious bodies into Casey's apartment using a, uh, like, a dolly from the Buy More. They could have just brought that with them and used that to transport them. That must have been in the car, right? Unless they, I don't know. That was at Casey's apartment. And anyhow, Devin returns home to Ellie and shows her all of his loot. 
Ellie asks what's going on. Apparently, Devin's been on a real spending spree for all this baby stuff, including uh, vegan baby food, even though they're not vegan. (laughs) Devin explains that he knows Ellie is usually the caretaker and he wants her to feel supported. And he feels the need to go to the extra lengths uh, in supporting Ellie during her pregnancy because Ellie's mom is not around and because... Her dad died within the past 12 months, but they don't really go into that. He doesn't yeah, they don't say that. mention it at all. I just feel bad that your dad just died and now you're having a baby. Nope. Yeah. No, no mention of that. Nope. Uh, Ellie explains that she's never really needed her mom in her life. She only needs Chuck and Devin. She agrees to let Devin help her, but she also wants to participate as well. Back in Chuck's apartment, Sarah hangs something up in Chuck's closet and Chuck asks her not to do that since she's only doing it because they just talked about it. He wants her to do it whenever she's comfortable doing it and not just to placate him. Sarah explains that she is comfortable in Chuck's apartment. It's just not something that she's super used to. Uh, This whole unpacking and putting down roots since she was always on the run as a kid. And then as a spy, Chuck says that one dress isn't going to make or break them and remove Sarah's dress from the closet. As they think about this whole idea of the one dress, they realize that Sophia had all of her dresses hung up besides one, which was the one that she was wearing the night they encountered her and the night that she killed that other agent in the opening of the episode. She folded that particular dress back up and packed it in her suitcase while they were watching her. Chuck and Sarah have rapid dialogue back and forth as they piece together that microchips are the key to making the smart bullets, and the microchips could have easily be hidden in that dress. Chuck and Sarah decide that they need to go back to Milan before Sophia leaves Fashion Week, um, just like walking right through airport security with her dress uh, that is made of um, illicit microchips, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Chuck and Sarah arrive at a fashion show back at Fashion Week in disguise. They scope out where Sophia is hiding the dress and realize it's in a room behind two bodyguards. Chuck approaches the guards and knocks them out using his tranquilizer gloves, which I thought were pretty cool. Yeah, they Um, were. He also thought they were pretty cool. Yeah. He and Sarah walk right through. They enter the room where all the dresses are being kept and eventually find Sophia's dress. Turns out that underneath her trench coat, Sarah isn't really wearing anything besides (laughs) her underwear, um, which I guess is... (laughs) It's a... A good day for Sarah to go commando because she can just put on Sophia's dress instead of having to put it in a bag or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Things seem to be going smoothly, except the guards come in and run into the room, guns blazing. Chuck and Sarah make to escape through another door, but only Sarah makes it through while Chuck stays back to handle the guards. Sarah's not getting off easy, though, because apparently Sophia was waiting back there the whole time. (gasps) Chuck, uh, Chuck eventually um, is outnumbered by more security guards and Lou Ferrigno. While Sarah is uh, held up by Sophia in the back room, things seem to be uh, pretty perilous right now for our heroes. To be completely honest, I missed my cue for starting up my notes again because I found the next couple scenes kind of mesmerizing. Um, what happens in uh, Chuck's exchange with the guards and Lou Ferrigno is that he flashes and is able to knock out all of the rest of the guards, leaving only Lou behind. Chuck um, has a fun exchange with Lou where he slaps him with his trank gloves and Lou doesn't immediately pass out. So Lou is like, you slapped me. And then he slaps Chuck back. I thought that was kind of cute. But eventually Lou Ferrigno does pass out and Chuck is uh, free. Meanwhile, as Chris said, Sophia corners Sarah and they start fighting all the way into the backstage area where the really mesmerizing part happens. They kind of just like beat the living shit out of each other and they get really bloody. And so Sophia's face gets cut when Sarah throws her into a mirror. And that really upset me because like Sophia is a model and like her face is like 
her like money maker and that's like her livelihood and I was very worried that she would now have a scar but even worse is that Sophia burned Sarah with a curling iron and like I've been there before and that hurts and it was very like <laughs> upsetting um they end up fighting on the runway and they're all really bloody and whatnot and they're doing like backflips and they're fighting and the crowd is all like what is going on Sarah ultimately knocks Sophia out and the crowd is shocked, but then Chuck starts clapping, so everyone else does too. And Sarah kind of smiles and does like a, a cheeky little pose. So this fight was awesome, but I think yes. this is what I was alluding to. I think there's something we got to coin a term for these fights because I was like, up, oh, Sarah's alone with the with Sophia. That means they're going to have one of those, you know, intense fights that Sarah has with lady characters. A sexy Sarah fight. You think it's a sexy Sarah fight? I mean, what you could if, call it, like, a sexy woman fight. Do you not want to use the word sexy? Well, I was just thinking, like, what about alliteration, though? What if it was, like, femme fatale fight? Okay, I could I could live with that. Or do you want to do... Um, sexy Sarah Showdown. Okay, that's... Yeah, you win. That's way that? better. Okay, yeah. sexy, so. Sarah, sexy Sarah Showdown. Triple S. Classic. This was a great Sexy Sarah Showdown. Yeah, it was I great. thought it was awesome. I love that... I feel like they haven't had... Obviously, this is only the second episode of the season, but even I feel like they haven't really had this intense of a, a sexy Sarah showdown in a while. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree. I'm typically bored during fight scenes. And this was like, as I said, it was truly mesmerizing. I like didn't take notes. Dur- like I had to go back and watch it again because I was just mm-hmm. like floored, like watching it. It was very good. Yeah, it was just really cool how they were interacting with the different things like in the set and like yeah. the curling iron and the mirror and just yeah. like all the people around. It was very... It was was very reminiscent of, like, the old days of, like, fighting in the Wienerlicious with, like, sticks and stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. but it was, like, it was equally cool, if not cooler. It was a a signature Sexy Sarah showdown. Yes, exactly. So back in Burbank, Chuck and Sarah debrief with Beckman. Beckman shows them, I, I don't know if it's a Vogue, but it's a magazine that has a picture of Sarah on the runway and says, Mystery model stuns fashion world with catwalk attack. Beckman seems pretty pleased with how they handled everything. It seems kind of <laughs> like she's going to yell at them, but then she's happy. It seems like Beckman's been really happy lately. I feel like good things are happening in her life. Yeah, I think so. She seems like she's really mellow. Maybe it's like yeah. because she moved to California and she's just yeah, kind that's of true. She's enjoying adopting that. that lifestyle. Yeah. Um, we find out that Sophia was arrested and that the smart bullet technology was recovered. So everything is good. At her apartment, Ellie tells Devin she's going to return the sleep machines to the Bymore. Devin is alarmed and calls Chuck to say that Ellie might not believe that Chuck's not a spy anymore when she sees how efficient the new Bymore is. Chuck looks around the store and agrees. Indeed, when Ellie comes in, she notices lots of things, like associates actually helping customers with the unwrapped collection of DVDs, customers giving associates their babies to hold, etc. So Chuck comes over and intercepts her. He's trying to explain what's going on when Morgan intercepts him, and then they're all intercepted by the return of our favorite green shirts, Jeff and Lester leading the pack. They're all there. Bunny, Skip Johnson, Fernando. It was very exciting to see them. Ellie asks if they can help her, and Lester says, no, we're on break. (laughs) Then Jeff says the grossest thing I've ever heard, which is, I heard you're (gasps) pregnant. Is there room in that womb for two? And I screamed and Seth came running up because he thought I was hurt. Like I screamed that loud. It's so gross. I'm sure he really appreciated that. I'm sure yeah. he was uh, very stoked to find that you were fine. Yeah. Um, what does, cause I was trying to think like, is he also trying to put his seed into Ellie? Or is or was, he the seed or is he or the is baby? He, right. Is he the one that's trying to get up in there? I think that, both. Um, 
Yeah, I think both is the answer. Yeah, it was uh, really disturbing. Really disturbing. Beckman calls Morgan over to tell him that she's very impressed with the airtight cover he's helped to create, so she's making him store manager. He's a little floored by this, but ultimately excited. Beckman says, don't make me regret this. Meanwhile, Casey is walking by and he has his phone to his ear. He's apparently calling Alex and it's very sweet because he says, hi, Alex, it's me, dad. And then he just has this little smile. And I thought it was a great, very small, but very great moment. Mm -hmm. We head back over to Ellie and Devin's where Devin is sound asleep and Ellie is not. Ellie sneaks out of bed and goes to the closet where she pulls down a box of old photo albums and then she just turns on the light to look at them. Like, I thought she was going to, like, go into the living room, but I guess they didn't want, like, another set. And, like, so Devin is just asleep and, like, the light is just on. Like, he must be a very heavy sleeper. Anyway, the pictures are of Ellie and Chuck's mom and dad and, and her and Chuck as kids. And I really liked these pictures. Like, I know we've talked about, like, the... Chuck and Sarah, like, Photoshop pictures aren't very good, but these look like real, like, candid shots of, like, um, Scott Bakula and Linda Hamilton. Did you did you have that impression or no? Well, I think they are just candid shots. Like, I think someone must have just been like, hey, can we have photos, like, from your photo yeah. collection of you with your children when they were babies? And they were like, okay. That's mu- that that's what they, mu- they must have been like that. There's, it would have been incredible Photoshop if they did that. They just seemed way too realistic. So I think they're, I think they're real. Well, that's cool. They looked great. Across the way, Chuck comes home to find Sarah has has unpacked. The only thing left in her suitcase is a picture of her and Chuck all the way back from season one. It's not the Comic Con one. It's like the one where they're on the hill. She tells him she keeps that in her suitcase because it makes her feel safe. Then she says that Chuck is her home and always has been. They have a sweet moment together, and then Chuck ruins it by bringing up the Achilles heel thing again. Also, he says Achilles really weird. Did you notice this? No. He says Achilles, which maybe is a better pronunciation, but it's. I feel like people usually just say Achilles. I thought it was pronounced Achilles. <laughs> no, no, no. That's where I'm going to lunch later. Ah. About it being... Um, He tells Sarah it's stupid because they don't have an Achilles heel. Then he closes his eyes and says, marriage, a baby, maybe we are next. And Sarah's eyes fly open. And I just have to say, it's okay. They point out in this episode that they've been living together for eight months. Like, I know they've known each other for a lot, a lot longer, but like, that's not long enough for Chuck to be like, yeah, we're going to have a baby soon. I know. My last note is hold your goddamn horses, Chuck. Yeah. Damn it. But so that's, that's the episode. <laughs> that is Chuck versus the suitcase. Yes. And that is a that is an arc that we will continue to uh, explore. Is yes, the, we will. Um, what the future of their relationship looks like and the uh, speed which w- they will arrive at those different points, I guess. Yeah, um, I know like they have to keep um, they have to keep some sort of like intrigue and drama in Chuck and Sarah's relationship. Like, so it's not boring now that they've gotten together. But it's just like a little bit frustrating because I'm like, can they just like have a minute, please? Where, <laughs> like they just got together. Like, can it just be like some other problem for a little bit? <laughs> you know, Sarah may have commitment issues, but here at Go Chuck Yourself, we <laughs> certainly don't because we marry something every week. And we kill something. That's <laughs> a commitment we kill as something. well. <laughs> uh, I, w- I am, of course, talking about Chuck, Mary, Kill, it was the segment where we pick one part of this episode we'd like to marry and one part of this episode that we would like to kill. Aaron, what would you like to marry and have kids with? This is, oh, I, I didn't know I was having kids with it, but okay. Surprise! Um, <laughs> 
I this is not going to come as any surprise, but the runway fight I thought was incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, That that whole sequence was really great, was really interesting. The sexy Sarah showdown, obviously, like it's exciting to see beautiful women fighting one another and to be using like the tools of the model trade and like everything. It was really well choreographed and it was just like. I don't know. It was cute. Like, I think that um, it's not a setting that we have seen very often on Chuck. Like, why would we be seeing like model runways? Um, but it was like n- also not somewhere where I've ever seen a like a fight before. So it was kind of like this cool, unique thing that I don't usually see in real life or in Chuck. And I really liked it. It was great. Yeah, it was. Um, I thought it was really an exceptional fight. Um, yeah. Chuck's. I was I was happy that he flashed on like that clothing rack and used uh, that as a bow staff. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. But yeah, hands down, Sarah's fight was was way better. And I thought it was awesome that they got out onto the um, the runway and that they were able to pass it off like it was some kind of avant garde um, like modeling presentation fashion show, I guess, is the word yeah. that you would. Yes, use. that is the word you're looking <laughs> for. What about you? Modeling presentation um, for me this week. I wanted to marry kind of the comedic. I thought there were really a lot of good comedic bits and beats Mm -hmm. in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that they were kind of like really kind of different for Chuck, but it kind of felt like they weren't too far of a reach. Like there was the one scene when they're kind of discussing how efficient and like crazy good the Bymore is now that there's Mm -hmm. a little boy talking to Greta and he says, I don't want to be an astronaut anymore. I want to work at the buy more. And then Greta says, but first you have to stay in school. Um, and he like does a smile and his teeth shine. Um, there's that. I liked how there was like the hard cut when Chuck's talking to Sarah and he's like, oh, it's not weird that you haven't unpacked yet. And mm-hmm. then it's immediately a jump cut to him being like, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah. Um, and then I also liked the nerd her Jeff and Lester reintroduction when they're walking in with because they have, um, I don't think we mentioned it, but like Alice Cooper is playing as like this really intense rock song and they're walking in. And um, as soon as they go up to L.A., the music stops. But then when she asks for help and he says, no, we're on break, the music picks back up and they yeah. walk out just like they that came was in. very funny. Um, and I think now that I'm looking into it, that this is largely a result of the director of this episode, who was Gail uh, Mancuso, and she is a uh, comedy director. She directs a lot for um, basically any kind of comedy sitcom you could imagine. She's directed it. She's done uh, Kimmy Schmidt. She's done Modern Family. She's done uh, Gilmore Girls, 30 Rock. Three comedies, the four comedies. Cougar Town. Oh, community. Now now you've got me. Scrubs, The Middle. Yeah, uh, you're, you're right. Sounds like she's directed a lot of things. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I thought that that was a really nice touch. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, speaking of presumably funny things, my kill is um Jeff's line about the room in that womb for two. It's like it's, I guess it's good. Like I don't know. I can't be objective about it. It's just like it's true to his character, and it's like a fun play on words, and it's kind of. Funny that he says it, but it's just so gross that I just, like, can't condone that as a phrase. Understandable. <laughs> I, I'm i just going to kill... Why why even waste the money on Lou Ferrigno for oh, this yeah. episode? Yeah. I know last week we were complaining about the 
the really ham-fisted references to Rocky that Dolph mm-hmm. Lundgren kept making. Yeah. No, this was so much worse. But how Lou Frigno, I didn't they didn't reference the Hulk at all. It was yeah. <laughs> it was like you're not gonna they're not because I was like, oh, he's gonna say you don't you wouldn't like me when I'm angry kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Doesn't say that at all. No. Doesn't really have any kind of character arc. Yeah, I don't there. know what his point was. I agree with that kill. Yeah, it was just I was like, why? Why would you even I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, what you do on. know is uh, the scooter scale. I do. I knew the, I know the scooter scale very well. It's the part of this particular episode and all episodes when we sit down and we we give we assign a number to this this episode, Chuck versus the suitcase on a scale of zero to five corn dogs based on how much we liked it. So I'm going to give this episode a three. Mm-hmm. Um. I I not I don't know if I should say that I'm giving it extra points for the fight or if that most of my score is for the fight. I don't know exactly how to like break down the numbers, but I do want to say that like I feel like the episode and the fight in my heads are like two different things because the fight is a five. Like it's definitely mm-hmm. like one of the best fights that I've seen on Chuck so far. But this actual episode like like you're saying, the Lufrigno plotline didn't really make sense. There were some cute things. I think the humor was good. I liked um, the reintroduction of Jeff and Lester on the rest of the green shirts. I liked all of the things that it set up, but I think the episode itself was pretty, like, middle-of-the-road kind of... Um, it was just kind of like a mission-of-the-week kind of plot, and I was... Um, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it, I would say. But the fight was great. Well, I'm going to differ with you quite drastically in right? this. Um, I'm going to give this episode a 4.5 wow. out of 5. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, as I've alluded to in earlier episodes. Um, I guess specifically in season three, I was concerned going into season four. Now that Sarah and Chuck are together, that plot lines involving their relationship would get less interesting. But I found this episode to be very grounded and realistic. Um in terms of their relationship, I loved the conflict over Sarah's suitcase and how it served as a metaphor for the state of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked that they were in conflict over it while they were on a mission, and I felt like the way that they were handling it felt very realistic mm-hmm. um, for the way that it was being played out. I liked mm-hmm. that they eventually resolved it, but in that kind of classic Chuck style where they don't leave it on too sweet of a note, like yeah. there's that look in Sarah's eyes at the end where you know that not everything is going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um I also thought the fight scenes were great. I really enjoyed everything going on with Casey and Morgan. Um, I'm glad that Casey was doing the thing with Alex and Morgan is um, getting promoted to be the manager. I thought those were both good arcs for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophia as a villain was was fine. Obviously, she was kind of one dimensional, but I kind of like the idea of this kind of like brainwashed model assassin because she was kind of like scary at points just because she yeah. seemed really cutthroat. Yeah, uh, I still don't really buy the smart bullets and I really don't <laughs> care for Lou Ferrigno in this episode. Uh-huh. Um, but overall, I feel like this is a very strong episode and I am I'm looking forward to season four now more than I was so before. That's that's great. I'm glad that you really enjoyed it. Maybe in some ways this is the season of Chris. Maybe it is. Who knows? Uh, so now we are introducing a new segment here on the show where uh, because a lot of people, the uh, the schooling system is kind of up in the air. A lot of people are doing remote <laughs> learning, virtual learning. Uh, we want to do our part and help people learn virtually. So uh, we're going to be introducing a new segment called Lesson of the Week, where we say something that we learned this week from this episode of Chuck. Aaron, what did you learn this week? 
Well, um, I learned that all relationships, no matter how perfect they may seem, are doomed to fail because they all have an Achilles heel. That's right, Aaron. And I learned this week that I'm never going to not feel weird watching Sarah and Chuck interact in their bedroom as a couple because I apparently have <laughs> intimacy issues. Great. This one, like, it it was a little bit like, I, I'm sure we're thinking of the same scene where at the end they're like kind of, I was thinking how weird it must have been to film because it was kind of a thing where like, it's a thing that happens when you're like a real couple where like your partner gives you like a sweet kiss and then you just kind of like automatically like put your arms or legs or whatever around them and that was what happened and i was thinking like how weird i mean it's not like a new thought but how weird it must be to like pretend to be in love and intimately attracted to someone who is your mm -hmm. co-star and i i don't think that i i don't know this but i don't think that yvonne and zach were ever like an item in real life and i know that they're actors i know that you're able to do this but it's just like i it's something that i can't imagine doing and they do a great job of it it does feel like very like naturalistic like you're watching a real couple but yeah i guess that's your issue <laughs> <laughs> well i feel a lot better now that you explained it like that yeah um so yeah that was uh chuck versus the suitcase chuck versus uh, the suitcase slightly, and that's what we learned that's what we learned this week also uh learned that there's a quite the the need for chuck funko pop so yes let's let's make it happen maybe through the sheer positive thinking we will by doing this we will end up uh creating the timeline where chuck funko pops exist yeah i think it's doable i think it could happen i think it could happen i'm sure like enough people tweeting at them and or like whatever would make it happen yeah let's make it happen folks if you're listening to this and you want to chuck funko pop tweet at funko and we'll get a hashtag going something yeah we'll and, work uh, on it make it a reality until then my name is chris gillespie reminding you that food is sexy. My name is Erin Arata, letting you know that anything is possible. Like Chuck Funko Pops, right? Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, okay, all right, all right. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap it up then. Thank you for listening, <laughs> and we will see you next week. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.